You ready to get into 2 Corinthians? We're going to finish chapter 12 and get into chapter 13 a little bit this morning. So I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles there. God is good all of the time. God is good. So I want to give you guys a heads up for those watching online where we find ourselves this morning. There's been a lot that Paul has shared with the Corinthian church. We went through the first letter he wrote, and now we're into his second, part of his third letter here. Um, and there's been a lot building up to this point, but now he's concluding this letter, and these are his closing thoughts, and I don't have a time this morning to recap everything but we're going to consider real life today in real life tests. Do you guys ever feel like life lifes you? You ever use that term? It's just there's a lot of things in life. Life throws us a lot of curveballs. That's life sometimes. But in that, God uses those things. And he can use those things to really test us. And this morning, we're going to consider tests together but before we jump into that, I need to ask you guys, and all of you who were born before 1997, remember this. It was a big part of my childhood. How many of you guys remember the old EBS? This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Yeah, I'm really making you guys listen to it. This was my childhood. You kids nowadays don't even know what commercials are. They stopped doing these in 1997. So all you born after that are lucky. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with the FCC and other authorities, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. If this had been an actual emergency, you would have been instructed where to tune in your area for news and official information. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. How many hours I spent as a kid having to listen to that in between my Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, tests, tests, tests. Life is full of them. If you look up here on this screen, whoops, let's go back one. Um, tests, okay, it's a procedure intended to establish the quality, performance, or reliability of something, especially before it's taken into widespread use. I don't know about you guys, but it seems like there's tests today for everything, isn't there? Medical tests, biopsies, doctor needs more blood work, done. I just love needles. Uh, pregnancy tests, there's school tests. How many of you guys love pop quizzes? Yeah, right? Swear my teacher's possessed, really? <laughs> there's finals. Um, even our automobiles today, they have those diagnostic tests, right? The car has to get tested too. Uh, there's psychological tests, paternity tests, stress tests. Have you guys ever have to jump on the treadmill and they put a bunch of sticky things on your body? 
you know, yeah, I did one of those once and they make you run. I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm all good. I'm not stressed. And the nurses that were doing the test, there were like three of them in the room. They're like, you, you ready to be done? I'm like, no, I got more in me. No, we think you're almost done. No, I'm good. And I like literally crashed within the next five seconds. Like the test was showing them something that I didn't know was going on in my own body. So I'm not the runner in the family. Sonny is. She would probably be able to know that better. Anyway, spiritually, guys, I think it's important for us to run tests too. Would you guys say if we have tests for all this other stuff, maybe the most important part of our life, the spiritual part, the part that God cares about, that we are as believers to take care of, do you think it would be wise for us to have tests run and run often? In those tests, guys, it doesn't really matter what we think because we could look at ourselves and the scriptures say even our hearts can be deceitful above all things. I'm, I'm doing okay. Or you may even have neighbors or friends that are also believers. And you know what? Compared to their life, I'm doing pretty good. And we can even come up with our own tests on how we're doing but one thing I love about the scriptures and the scriptures we have set before us this morning, God has given us some things that we can see and look and examine ourselves according to what he thinks and what he uh, would prioritize for us in a way of a spiritual test. And I'm kind of excited to get into this with you guys this morning. I'll be very honest with you. I was not looking forward to this passage of scripture. I'm like, how am I going to teach this? And some of you guys are just like, Landon, I don't think you have a problem with that. Scripture isn't always easy to teach. Do you guys know that? But we know God is good and he is right and his word is living and powerful. So even as Paul is concluding a letter, this is still God breathed. And I am this morning, guys, so excited. This is a message. If I had the opportunity to go to every church in the world, this is probably what I would share with the church at large because God cares about our well-being. He doesn't want us to be deceived, and we are easily deceived. And one thing, when we open his word, doesn't that enlighten us, bring things into clarity? I don't know about you guys, almost daily in my devotions, I'm reading, and I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> My thinking has gotten really jacked up. Like, <laughs> how, how am I missing? How have I forgotten? How are you right again, God? That's what his word does. And that's why even some of the apostles, as they wrote to the church, I write to you in a way of reminder. We need to remember. And there are some things, spiritually speaking, that we need to check in and make account for we got to remember what God has called us into. So this morning, we're going to take a look at five tests. The first one's going to be a serving survey. The second one's going to be an attitude analysis. The third one we'll look at is a faith final. You guys see what I'm doing here? Isn't that fun? All right. And then we're going to have the authority assessment. And then we're going to do a personal fruit inspection. So let's start here in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I've become a fool in boasting, the Apostle Paul says. You have compelled me, for I 
uh, have ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle, they were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. And then verse 14, he says, For the third time I'm ready to come to you. And again, Paul was a missionary to the Gentile world. He went and he shared the gospel there in Corinth. A church was birthed, okay? They began to fellowship and to gather together. And Paul, because he loves them and he's called to be an apostle to them, has had to write some letters to correct them on things, to stir them up in the things of the Lord. So he tells us here in verse 14, uh, I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you. I hope you guys see that. For the children ought not to lay up for their parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. And you guys who are parents, you guys get that. We love our kids, and Paul has this fatherly heart towards this church in Corinth. He's a spiritual dad. He wants to give to serve them. And then verse 16, he says, But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus, and I sent our brother with him. And did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Now, if you guys recall a little bit of the context to these scriptures this morning, there's been these super apostles out there that actually were coming against the apostle Paul. They were actually false teachers, false apostles. And we have a lot of that today in the church. And that's why it's so important, guys, that we actually test all spirits, right? And how do we do that? Okay, This week, I've, I've been meeting with some young guys down in Texas. They're on a year in mission. Okay? And the cool thing is, as they're in a community and they're serving the Lord and sharing Christ, they're not just working with one church, but they're working with multiple churches in this city. And churches have a lot of different backgrounds. I mean, think about just locally here in Kakana, how many different churches there are. A lot of different things going on. And they were serving at a church that was Pentecostal. And Pentecostals have some of their own beliefs, things that we wouldn't agree with. But it was so neat sharing with them because they had questions like, hey, this is one of the churches we're working with. We're excited to serve them, to serve their youth, and partner with them in doing things for the Lord. They're stoked. But they had questions. And it wasn't, hey, well, let me tell you what I think about these things and the questions you have about the church let's go to the scriptures let's let God speak to those things and what I so love about them is they are so open just to the word God says this is the way church is supposed to be settled (laughs) they're right or they're wrong according not to what you think pastor Landon or what we've been taught growing up in the church we want to know according to scripture what is right and wrong. And you guys understand when it comes to rightly testing you know, things in this life, it's going to be the word of God that we have to allow to speak 
to what is true, what is right, what is wrong, okay? And that's one of these things that Paul's going to do here this morning as he has spoken thus far in this letter to the Corinthians, calling out these false teachers and why they're false. He's speaking to things that are true and right, and he wants us to know these things for a purpose. And I want us to be able to catch this this morning as we consider these different tests, and this first one being a serving test. And out of them, I'm glad Paul brings us up for first, because foremost in our lives, we are to follow Christ, right? Didn't the Apostle Paul say, follow me? That's kind of scary to be able to say to another person. Follow me, but he said, follow me as I follow who? Christ, okay? And if we're following Christ, what is that going to look like? Jesus came to serve, so he is our servant leader, right? And if we are truly following him, there's going to be a servant heart in us also. We're going to find ourselves loving other people, coming alongside those who are in need, who are poor, that need help. That's going to be a part of what we just find ourselves doing. And sometimes we're not going to know that we're even doing it. When did I give them a cold cup of water in your name? When did I give them clothes? When did I go to prison? When did I do those things? We shouldn't, it really shouldn't be one of those things that we're checking off. Hey, look at how I'm serving. Oh, I served at the pantry. Great. I served in youth ministry. Ooh, another check. Look how good I'm doing. As believers, if we're just following Christ, it's just who we are. It's not like we're thinking about doing it. It's just part of our nature. I follow Jesus today. Well, how does that look? Well, I'm going to be loving God and loving other people. And it's going to be in service. Because isn't that how we love people? Don't we love our spouses, our kids, one another? How does that play out? How does that look? It's through service. So there's five good questions that we see just in these few scriptures here regarding service. So the first one, I think, is the question, am I too big for my britches? If you guys look at verses 11 through 13, Paul says what? I am nothing. <laughs> but you're the great apostle Paul. You're the guy that, I think you guys catch Ozzy when he was going through the first part of chapter 12, you know, when he was sharing about Paul knowing a guy who's caught up into the third heaven. Pretty cool revelation, right? That was probably Paul. You guys know that? He's just talking in the third person there. But in that, guys, Paul himself, he's able to you know, confess. And there is not a false humility. This is in true humility by being able to say, I am nothing. And that's really what we're called to, guys. We die to self. Aren't we called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus? It's no longer I who live, Galatians 2.20. But Christ who lives in me, I'm nothing. It's not me any longer. In the life I'm going to live, I'm going to live in faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Jesus did for me. And I'm going to follow that example because he now lives in me. So this is true humility. So when you see yourself as nobody, then you don't mind working with people who have taken advantage of you. Right? Right? Charles Spurgeon said this, 
He whose garments are the whitest will be best or best perceive the spots upon them. And he whose crown shines the brightest will know when he has lost a jewel. And catch this. He who gives the most light to the world will always be able to discover his own darkness. Can you guys relate to what Charles was saying? Do you guys ever feel that way? The longer you're in Christ, the more you grow in him, the closer you get to him. Because he is holy, right? Totally set apart. The closer you get to him, the more darkness you see in yourself. And it's just like, well, wait a minute. I'm growing in the Lord. (laughs) I should be being changed, transformed, sanctified, becoming more holy. You are. But the closer you get to the Lord, the more things are exposed. And it's like, whoa. I am nothing. But by the grace of God, there I go. Guys, we would be a complete mess without him. Like seriously, where would we be today without him? I swear I'd be dead. I would be dead today if I didn't know Jesus. The grace of our God, an amazing thing. And when we humble ourselves, God extends grace. When we allow pride, look how great I am. (laughs) I got it, God. I don't need you. Do you guys know that he opposes pride? And pride is the most natural thing in our heart. And I'm going to be vulnerable and real with you guys for a minute and confess, that is my biggest struggle in life, guys. You can pray for your pastor and his pride. The closer I get to Jesus, it's just like, man, am I really that full of myself? Am I really still this self-centered? God, I died to this, and you asked me to die to that, and we've dealt with it, and I died to it. You guys ever feel that way? It's just like the next step then, <laughs> and it's just something else he's going to reveal. We work on one thing. He deals with us, and that's what's going to happen this morning as we look at these scriptures. We're being tested, and God's going to bring to light some things that need to change, that you need to work on, and we should be grateful that he loves us enough to speak truth to us. Because I don't know about you guys, if you're in Christ, man, you want to grow. You want to glorify him more with your life. And you know that there's things that need to change. And guys, that's going to be reality for us until the day we go home to be with Jesus. I know we look forward to that day, don't we? (laughs) But until then, we're all a work in progress. But God's promised to be the author and the finisher of our faith. And what he's begun in you, he is faithful to complete, Philippians 1, 6, right? He's going to keep doing that work. What we do is we need to stay humble. That's all we can do. We yield to the Spirit. God, what do you want? Help me. Change me. Keep growing. Growing in me, Lord. So, the second question I think we need to ask, guys, is am I seeking their soul or their stuff? Look at verse 14 with me. Did you guys see? It says, I do not seek yours, but you. Okay? He's not after what you got, but who you are. And aren't you guys grateful for that? As part of a ministry, when I first started walking with the Lord, the church that I started going to, God was doing stuff. Youth group was growing and it had become the biggest youth group in the state This is back in the 90s when they had that EBS alerts on still. Um, (laughs) 
But it was one of those things, there was a few things that just didn't sit well with me in how they were going about their business, how they were doing ministry, because they wanted to catch people who were the quarterback on the football team, those who were popular, the cheerleaders, the athletic. Because if we get the cool people, kids coming to youth group, then that's how we're going to grow. And if we can get that out of them, then we'll get their parents coming. And they got money. And it's just like, what is going on? You know, is this really the heart of Jesus? It's not, guys. We are called to look at people for who they truly are. And who they truly are, they are loved by our creator. Our creator laid down his life for them. They have worth because they've been made in his image. And heart should be for them, not what they have, not their stuff, but who they are. That is what God cares about. And that's another question we really have to ask ourselves. He's not after what you got, but who you are. So this lays down one of the supreme principles in Christian living altogether. The next question we'll take from verse 15 is, am I a joyful servant? Oh, it's so hard serving the Lord. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I will very gladly spend and be spent. Okay. Did that one just highlight? Yeah, there it is. All right, verse 15. You guys can jot down Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 in your notes. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Are we willing to do that, to serve gladly? You know what? I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to be a servant. This is a joy to me because I'm doing this unto the Lord. And you guys can do that, not just when you're serving at church, but whatever God has asked you to put your hands to, whatever your job is, your calling is, I'm doing this unto you. I'm a willing servant. And when you have that right perspective, it's not going to matter how your boss might be, (laughs) right? Because it's not about them. It's about the Lord, and we serve them unto the Lord. We serve others unto the Lord. Some of you guys who are having marriage issues, serve your spouse. Well, they don't deserve it. They're not doing their part. It's not about that. It's about serving the Lord, isn't it? I honor you God. This is what I'm called to do. So let's take a look at verse 16 through 18. The question being, am I taking advantage of anyone? He said here, did I or Titus take advantage of you was the question. He refuses to use them. I love the heart of the apostle here. And then the last question, am I modeling what I'm expecting of others? In the last part of verse 18, he said, did we walk in the same steps? So Paul models what he expects of others. And do you guys know that we only can lead people as far as we've gone? Are you a servant leader? We should be. Be that example. Well, why aren't my kids serving? Have you showed them what it looks like to serve? Nathaniel Taylor. Uh Uh-oh. I love Nathaniel. Pray for our brother. He was going to be here this morning. All right. um, Let's roll. Edgar Guess, he said this, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one one day. I'd rather one should walk with me 
than merely tell the way. And that is one of the biggest things we can do as believers is come alongside somebody, walk with them, do life with them. The Great Commission's go make disciples of all nations, right? And teaching them all that God has said, that's important. That's what God's asking us to do. But part of that is actually living life with them, showing what it looks like to be a servant of the Most High God. This is what we do. We love the Lord. We love other people. And we serve, willingly serve. And you understand, guys, the church is to be set apart in that way. That's what we do. I had a meeting with our mayor here in Kakana not long ago. And it wasn't, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, it's your brother. <laughs> you know, because what does a mayor do? Well, he's a servant too, isn't he? He's serving the people in the community. And I think for him, he's got a lot of meetings every day of people, I need something. Mayor, do this for me. Do that. I didn't have an agenda with him. I just came in like, hey, just want to let you know, you know, uh, Freedom Fellowship over here, a bunch of people that just love Jesus. If there's any way that we can serve you or the city, let us know. Please give me a call. And if we're able, we'll serve. Simply, that's all the church wants from you, Mayor. And I think that's the testimony, not just for the mayor, but for all people. Church, what are you guys about? Because a lot of people look at the church today as what? Oh, they're just going to want my stuff. They're going to want my money. They're going to want my, my time, my talents. They want to take, take, take. You know, and that's so backwards. And I, I think we struck a good chord here at Freedom. I think this approach that Paul takes is part of our DNA here at Freedom. We love you. Okay? We want you to grow, and part of serving is provoking. Like, we're going to be doing the school of ministry. What is that good? What, I mean, what, what is that all about? It's about equipping to be able to draw you guys out in a way that you're going to use the gifts and help you use those tools God's given you to sharpen those tools to be good servants. But the point is to be servants, okay? We want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. All right, how many of you guys have heard of Leonardo da Vinci? Show of hands. I'm not talking about the mutant ninja turtle, okay? <laughs> We're talking about the painter. Um, he had started a work on this uh, huge canvas in his studio. Uh, while he had worked at it, uh, choosing the subject and planning the perspective, sketching and outlining, uh, applying the colors with all of his uh, genius, and then suddenly he ceased. The painting still unfinished, and summoning one of his students, invited him to come and complete the work. The student protested that he was both unworthy and unable to complete the great painting which the master had begun. But uh, da Vinci silenced him, and he said, Will not what I have done inspire you to do your best? And don't you want to be like that for other people? To inspire them? Like, hey, go for it. <laughs> you got it. You might not do it exactly like I do it, <laughs> and that's okay. But hopefully I've inspired you to live for the Lord, to be a servant of the Most High. You guys have gotten emails from me, and I've done this for years. I just put at the bottom, in service to the king. And that's not in a way of like, oh, Pastor Landon's so spiritual. He serves King Jesus. 
It's actually a reminder for me. It's a reminder that, hey, I'm a servant to the king. And I mean that. And I even reply to non-believers in that same way as a way of a testimony like, hey, it's about you. (laughs) Even though you might be doing something for me in a way of service, I care about this relationship. And I too, if I'm able to serve you, I'm willing to. Guys, we need to have that type of mindset. Now let's go to our next test this morning, our attitude analysis. Look at verse 19. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification or your building up. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbiting, whispers, uh, conceits, uh, talmuds, lest when I come again, My God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for you who have sinned before and have not repented of uncleanness, fornication, and of lewdness, which you have practiced. So the Bible is packed full of relationships, isn't it? And many are very turbulent if we think about it. You guys remember Cain and Abel? Whoa! Killed his own brother? Yeah! What a relationship, right? Anyways, we have Jacob, Esau, Joseph and his brothers, Samuel and Saul, David and Saul, Saul and Saul. I mean, the list goes on of all these different relationships, hard, hard things in life through them. But here he says, we speak before God in Christ. On one occasion, Abraham Lincoln and his counselors had taken an important decision. One of the counselors said, well, Mr. President, I hope, I hope that God is on our side, he said. And I so love how Lincoln responded to him. He said, what I'm worried about is not if God is on our side, but are we on God's side? Isn't that good? And that's the same question we need to be asking ourselves. Are we on God's side? But this is what's right. This is what's needed. This is what I want. (laughs) What does God want, guys? Nothing more, nothing less. So Paul here reveals his motive in the second part of verse 19. Uh, They're building up. Did you guys catch that? Not tearing down. He wants to build them up. And that's what we want to see happening here at Freedom. You guys are being built up. Okay, We don't want to tear down. And I hope this morning, even as we go through these scriptures, that you're being encouraged. And sometimes we need conviction. This is a convicting passage of scripture. But if you're like me, you like a little conviction because you find encouragement like, whoa, God, you do have better. There, there are things that you want and that you're calling me into. This is exciting, right? So some of the things he's laying out, like look at verse 20. He talks about the backbiting. This would be slandering. Aren't you guys glad that there isn't any slandering going on today? Yeah. Seriously, I'm done. It's election year. Media outlets, I am so done for this year. All it is is slandering one another. I don't even know what's really real. What's true? What do you actually think? They don't tell me what they think. They just tell me who they want to slander and why that other person's so bad. Anyway, sorry. That's all we're going to talk about. (laughs) 
in the way of politics this morning. Uh, someone speaking uh, in public about you. Okay, that would be what backbiting is. And then he also brings up whispering. Would you guys say that's gossip? It is gossip, okay? Aren't you glad none of us ever gossip? It's so easy to do. That's our culture, right? But on the other hand, you know, and more sinister, I think, are these whisperings. They're like lurking in the shadow behind someone's back. I saw this funny poster one time. It said, sure, love your neighbor, but you can say whatever you want about somebody if you just add, just saying, don't we dismiss that so easily? Oh, did you hear about brother so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. You talk all their dirt. Oh, we as Christians should just be praying for them. Just saying. Just praying. No. Don't gossip. That's what it says. You see, whisperings are, and William Barclay said this, it's the slanderous story murmured in someone's ear, the discreditable tale passed on, as a spicy secret. I like that. So both are aimed at what? The assassination of someone's character. Does that sound Christ-like? Not at all, guys. So let's knock it off. Especially as us as Christians who are called to be set apart. Okay? And there's a lot of that coming out of the church today. A lot of slandering. Yeah, we can call out things that are false. We can... Say, hey, false teacher, because. But how we do that, guys, can be done in a Christ-like manner, okay? So, uh, both aim to assassinate someone's character, but lest we, uh, with a slander, or a slanderer, you can deal with it because you know the attack's coming, right? There's a difference there. Full-on attack. They're coming right at you, and you know what they're saying, but with a whisper campaign, guys, that's like an underground movement, isn't it? Okay, they will not face you. Thus, it's a helpless attack because you don't know, you know, that it's coming. It's kind of like fighting terrorists, right? But remember, a tiger doesn't lose sleep over the opinion of a sheep. <clears throat> I love that. All right, look at verse 21. Paul here, he lists the sins of the heart and the tongue, and he deals with the sins of the body now. Look at this. He says, on cleanness, that would be a general word describing impurity in the world, to fornication, which includes fornication and impurity, having sex before marriage or just sexual immorality in general, to lewdness, filthiness that knows no restraint. So the question, guys, is has the world squeezed you into its mold? Some people want nothing to do with Christianity because it's like, I lose all my freedoms. I can't do this and I can't do that any longer. Do you guys understand the reality of the gospel? Again, Jesus came for what? Freedom's sake. Christians are the freest people upon the planet. And that is the biggest lie that Satan has told to mankind. He's just like, wow, if you actually follow the Lord... You aren't going to have freedom. Guys, we're the freest people in the world. We don't have to allow the world to mold us. We don't have to be like everybody else. You understand? Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You don't have to sin anymore. The unbelieving world has to sin. They don't have a choice. We're set free. 
And we should live in that freedom, enjoy that freedom. So the world can squeeze you into its mold if you let it, or are you remodeling the world? I don't know about you guys, this world is looking for peace. They want to know what true love is. The world's definition of love is an abomination in the eyes of God. It's a perverted love. But the world's longing for true love, agape love, God's love. In most parts of the world, you're not even allowed to share that love. You might be imprisoned or even killed for it. Are you living a lifestyle of carnal Christians or are you incarnating the character of Christ? Again, guys, these are tests this morning. And we have to ask the right questions for it to be a good test or we don't learn anything, right? So if you are not salt infiltrating this decaying world, the decaying world is infiltrating you. Now he starts in chapter 13 about faith. So we're going to call this the faith final. Look at verse 1. This will be the third time I'm coming to you, Paul says. And by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before, and I'll foretell as if I were present the second time. And now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest, that if I come again, I will not spare, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Didn't we read earlier in chapter 9, didn't Ozzy hit on Paul, when he said, in my weaknesses, that's what I'll boast in? Guys, it's when we're weak, we find strength from the Lord. And Paul's kind of going back there again. Look at verse 5. He says, examine yourselves, okay, as whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know that yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So Paul here in the first four verses is appealing back to the law. You can jot down Deuteronomy 17.6. He is through warning them here. Discipline is imminent, and it is time uh, for a thorough spring cleaning here. Okay, And we don't like discipline. Nobody likes it, right? Doesn't that sound like Hebrews 12? Nobody likes it. <laughs> but if you are a child of God whom the Lord loves, he will chasten. He will discipline. And Paul, being an apostle of the true and living God, has this fatherly heart. Like, hey, I'm willing to discipline out of love for you guys. Even though it's painful, it is needed. And that's Paul's heart here. He says in verse 2 that he will not spare. Oh, sorry. There we go. I will not spare. He's coming with his white glove here. Sometimes your doctor recommends medicine. And when that doesn't work, what does he do? Oh, now you need surgery, right? And I think that's kind of what's going on with Paul. And then if we look at verses 5 and 6, guys, uh, Socrates said this, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I agree with that. That's why it's good to pause. I'm thankful that God has this in his word this morning for us. Hey, let's pause. Take some time to examine ourselves, test ourselves, to know ourselves. So the test here isn't asking how often you go to church. 
It's not how often do you say prayers at your mealtimes. It's not how many verses have you memorized. It goes right to the bottom line. Are you even a Christian? That's the point. That's the point this morning. And that's what really matters. You may be visiting church today. Maybe you've been coming here for a while. Great, going to church has never saved anybody. I haven't found that scripture. That's not the gospel. Jesus alone is Savior. And as Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again of the Spirit. Oh, demons even believe in Jesus, guys. They tremble before him. Great. You may even believe in Jesus. That doesn't mean you're saved. Have you repented and put your faith in him alone as Savior? Have you? For this is eternal life, Jesus said in John 17, 3, that they know you, the one and true living God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Do you know him? There's one thing I can say with certainty when it comes to someone being saved. I know I'm saved. In this room, I'm the, I'm the only person I know that's truly saved. And it's not because of who, how great I am, but I can testify that I actually know Jesus. I really know him. If you looked at my life and all the stuff I do, you'd be just like, well, I don't know if you're really saved. You're a big sinner, pastor. <laughs> I'm a big forgiven sinner because I know Jesus. And I know what his blood that he shed on that cross 2,000 years ago did for me personally. Only you can truly answer that, guys. Because taking a test and filling out all the answers correctly is not going to save you guys. Jesus became sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God. So you need to ask yourself, have I believed the gospel? Yes or no? Do I know him? And that's what he desires, guys, is relationship. And what we have left here this morning from the great apostle Paul kind of comes around what that looks like for you and I. So it is essential that we know God. You see, if in the church... People can chronologically reject God with their words and ways. Checking to see if you're saved, guys, isn't just wise. It is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Some of you are like, I get it, Landon. You do this a lot. Pause to bring gospel clarity to us. Don't you know that we're saved? We get it. We pause because how many times do we see it in the scriptures? We're just a church that just goes through the Bible. God cares. He wants to be known. And he wants you to be known. That is relationship. Religion kills. That's why I'm excited to get into the gospels with you. Jesus confronted the religion of the day among his own chosen people. 
because they missed it. All religion does is show us that we can't do it. We can't save ourselves. Isn't that what religion's all about? You have to do this in order to get to heaven one day. That's a false gospel. And there's a lot of churches teaching that, guys. God in his word says, you can't, but I have. And if you receive that gift, I've done it for you. And if you receive my gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, if you want eternal life, I'm willing to give that to you. You can come into relationship with me, be part of my family forever. That's pretty darn exciting, guys. And that's when everything begins to make sense. And this morning, this passage we're in, it's not going to make sense to you unless you're actually in relationship with Jesus. Because if you don't know him, this is just a bunch of rules and regulations, and you don't actually get the point of what Paul's saying at all. So let me encourage you guys. Make sure you are in Christ. And before we examine someone else's life, we encourage We're encouraged by the Lord to examine ourselves, right? Are you in the faith? Are you in Christ? So three words that are used here. Did you guys catch it? Examine, test, and know. So examine is a test, right? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? That is the test, the exam. Have you experienced significant changes in your life through knowing him? Didn't we read earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? Anyone who is in Christ is a what? New creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Why? Because you're born again of the Spirit. You're spiritually alive. You have new appetites, new cravings, a new nature from God. Yeah, we still might struggle with sin, but now we have Christ living in us, and we have power over that sin. We don't have to go back there. We don't have to be held any longer by it. And now we start loving people. Like, well, I actually love God. Wow, this is pretty cool. I put my faith in him and I actually really care about him now. Before he was just kind of out there. And I'd call on him if I was in need and needed some help. But now all I want to do is talk to him. And I want him to talk to me. So his word I love. How many of you guys, when you came to Christ, man, the word of God became alive? Before you read it, it's just like, this is the most confusing book I've ever read in my life. But the second you get saved, you're just like, whoa, words are flying off the page. This is life. I'm getting to know God. God, creator of all things, is speaking to me. In my life, I'm literally being changed just by his word. John 17, 17, right? Sanctify them in truth, Jesus said. And he said, my word is truth. We are changed. I am believing every time I get up here to preach the word of God to you guys, I believe that God is in the room changing hearts and lives through the proclamation of his word. Why? Because he promised it. And all we can do is what? Yield. Yes, Lord. (laughs) I believe I will humble myself and trust you. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. They want to trust themselves for their salvation. I'm good enough. I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than them. I've done more good than bad. (laughs) That doesn't save anybody. You're still a sinner. I'm still a sinner in need of a Savior. Do you know Jesus? Examine yourselves. Do you experience his leading, his presence, his peace, and his joys? 
How many of you guys have gone through some crazy things in the last month or two, but the peace of God has just been with you? You've sensed this. Is that not the coolest thing? I give you peace not as the world gives, Jesus said. I give you my peace. The world's not going to understand. That's why I don't need to know what's going on in the news right now. God has it. He sets up kings for this purpose, and at that time, that's his deal. He told me to trust him, look to him, to share him, and to submit to the government I'm under. They asked me to vote, I'll go vote. I'll look in and just make the best educated vote I can, but my hope is not in some guy or gal saving me or this country. That's another gospel, guys. We as believers have one Savior, and we've been given the privilege of sharing that good news with not just our nation, the entire world. I don't know about you guys, but I would love to see America be great again. That ain't going to happen unless we turn back to Jesus Christ, and that's going to take humility. And I would love to hear that on the news. <laughs> I'd watch that news. <laughs> oh. But that's what makes the good news good, right? There's got to be some bad news. And that's all the world has is bad news. So do you understand when we actually have the boldness to share? The world's going to see and say, yeah. God loves me despite me. Yeah, he does. So much so he was willing to humble himself and become a man and die in your place on the cross. All right. I get excited about the gospel. So if you were to die today, guys, do you have assurance of eternity with him? I do. I'm homesick. I'm ready to die. I know exactly where I'm going. And I love seeing saints pass from this life into the next. They aren't freaking out like a non-believer. They're like, take me. I can't wait to be home. Guys, this is not our home. We are just passing through if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, if you've not humbled yourself and repented and put your trust in Christ, guys, this is the best it's going to ever be for you. And this life sucks. This is the best it will ever be for you. But if you repent, guys, <laughs> this is the worst it's ever going to be. It just gets better. And then he says test. Well, what's a test? That's a proof, right? So test is stronger than to exam. Okay, so how do you prove that you're a Christian? If you were abducted in a third world country that was anti-Jesus, would there be enough proof in your life to charge you as being a follower of Jesus? Would they be able to look and say, hey, proof, 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 see, 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 they do follow Jesus. So are your attitudes any different now than they were in the past? Is there evidence? And then knowing, okay, that's a perception. Do you have inner discernment? Do you have his peace? Okay, do you know that you know? And again, I know that I know Jesus. I really do know him. I still can be stupid, <laughs> but I know that he still loves me. I can try to run, but I know he will never leave me or forsake me. I believe in eternal security. You are born again of the Spirit. You are sealed. You are His, period. Oh, I might be a disobedient son, but I'm His. And He loves me enough to spank my butt <laughs> because I am. All right, let's wrap it up this morning. Check out verse 7 here. This is authenticity assessment. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should 
appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable. Though we may seem disqualified, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong. In this also we pray, that you may be made complete. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for the edification and not for destruction. So in verse Paul, guys, Paul reiterates this intention of his letter. It's to build up, right? Okay, not to tear down. So he sought to lead sheep, not to drive cattle. So he sought here um, to really equip them. And again, guys, that's why we're doing the school of ministry. Just another opportunity. Okay, that's what we do on Sundays. We're being equipped here today. And I encourage you, be mindful and intentional in growing. I've known a lot of believers. They're saved. <laughs> you know, they know the Lord. They profess Christ. There was growth, but they kind of plateaued. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're in the exact same place they were with Jesus a decade ago. Guys, we should be able to look back. Hey, just a month ago or six months ago, God's been growing me, sanctifying me. He's changing me. He's still refining me. He's still working on me. We should always be growing. So take every opportunity to do that. So sign up for the school of ministry. And then the personal fruit, uh, fruit inspection. If you look at uh, verse 5, okay, disqualified, okay, do not stand the test, okay, do you stand the test is the question we have to ask ourselves. So how many profession Christians are living in self-deception, okay, most test life this way. Externally, things are more or less all right. In my life, I have a pretty good church, sound doctrine, good basis of my faith, my life is lived more or less righteously. I'm not conscious of any gross sin in my life. But Paul says that's not the test. That's a good moral person test. That's what that would be. It's about internal test. Christ in you. Okay, Do you guys see that? Is Christ in you. So this is how one is approved by God. God's concerned not with our outward conduct, but our inward life. That's what he cares about. So I have, you know, I can have a correct creed, but I am not saved by the statement of a creed. I don't know how many people I've gotten to lead to the Lord over the years that grew up in a traditional church. They did their classes and the church confirmed them because they learned a creed and they learned some scriptures but they were far from Christ just because a church tells you you're good to go to heaven now the question is has God said that what does God think what does he say and that's why we love the scriptures God what do you say So these questions, guys, shouldn't lead you to some morbid in, you know, introspection. Okay, So how does it not? I'm glad you asked, and this is what I want to conclude with this morning, is we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Again, it's relationship with God. He's working in us. 
and through us. And I love Psalm 139, and my favorite passage from the Psalm of David is when he cries out for God to test him. Why? Because he knew. He knew what Jeremiah, the prophet, would say one day, that our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. And that's why we cry out to God. He said here, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Guys, you can't do this by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you through that process. And is that a prayer you pray? Is that your heart before the Lord right now? God, search my heart. Or are you scared what's going to come out? Are you scared what that might have to look like? Because if God does reveal any wicked way that might be in your heart, you know what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to face it. You're going to have to address it. You're going to have to do something with it. Oh, we like our sin. It's fun for a season, isn't it? And dying to self, it's not natural. Humbling ourselves and saying, God, you're right. I'm willing to obey. That doesn't come easy. That's why we need help. And we can't do it on our own. So don't look for sin. Look for Jesus, guys. Look for Jesus. Because when God does search our heart and things are revealed, what's the response? (laughs) Jesus, I need you. (laughs) I need your help. Right? So search within your heart for evidence that the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. And the results of that, it's going to keep your heart tender. How many of you guys can testify you've gone through seasons where your heart has gotten hard towards the Lord? I have. But isn't he so faithful to come knocking and say, hey, you're getting hard. We need to do some business. I need to get your attention. Some of us really trip in those seasons of life. We don't like them, but God allows them enough. He allows tests and trials and hardships in our lives to allow this type of testing to actually take place. Some of the results also, we'll see a will to be submissive. The Spirit of God is working. We're going to surrender. We're going to submit. We're also going to have a mind that is open to him and his leading. And it also takes the chill away from our soul. It takes the hardness from a heart. It It takes shadows away from your life. It breaks up the clouds that have been formed between you and your Savior. It sets the prisoner free. It ushers in his peace. It ushers in his forgiveness. It'll usher in cleansing and his presence. And there's nothing better than that. And I want to conclude our time this morning by just sharing a short list that was written by John Wesley back in the 1700s. This is when he was at Oxford and he had a diary and they took this from his diary and it was called, he had a club called the Holy Club. And I've read a lot of John Wesley over there, even though I'm not a Methodist. I loved his heart to want to be right with the Lord. He took his walk with the Lord very seriously. And he was a guy that provoked me big time. It's just like, you know what? I don't want to waste my life. I want to be challenged good. I want to live for Jesus because I know me, okay? I know where I tend to go. I need his help. I need disciplines. I need direction. I need help of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to share the short list that he put in his journal, and we'll end with this. 
One of the questions that he had is, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I'm better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Do I confidently pass on to others what has been said to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? I like how he put that one. Did the Bible, did the Word of God live? Was it alive today in me? Do I give Bible time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? You guys tasted the sweetness of prayer. Being in your closet, your prayer closet with him, should be the sweetest spot that you have in this life. Do I pray about the money I spend? Do I get to bed on time and get up on time? Unless there's a Toby Mac concert. Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I defeated in any part of my life? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend my time or my spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God that I am not like other people, especially as the Pharisees who despise the despise the publican? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment towards, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? Is Christ real to me? Those are good questions. I'll post them online later today if you want them, or you just look them up. But I do want to ask one more question. And it's the question we've considered this morning. Is Christ in you? If you have not bowed the knee, humbled yourself, and given your life to Christ, today is the day of salvation. You need to do that. You may ask, well, what do I need to do? You can't do anything. You just confess with your mouth, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need you, Jesus, as my Savior, as my Lord. You just ask him to forgive you, and he will. And you ask him to come and to be your Lord, your Savior, because he is God, and there is only one God. And he loves you very much, and he wants relationship with you. If you're willing to confess that with your mouth and you truly believe it in your heart, the Bible says you are saved and things are going to change. You need to do that. It's the only thing that matters in this life. So we're going to close in prayer. I'm going to give any of you that have that or have not done that, given your life to Christ, this is the time to do it. You pray and you ask him to save you right now. And I'm going to pray for all of us that God would give us wisdom and insight as I do believe his spirit has been speaking this morning to our hearts, going into inner, deeper things, and maybe we 
allow to happen on a regular basis. But again, I think these spiritual tests are something that we should run often. Okay, Don't you guys want to be in tip-top shape <laughs> to be able to run the race that God set before us well? I sure do. Let's all stand and we'll pray. Well, again, Father, we are so thankful to you that you sure love us enough to speak truth to us, even if it's uncomfortable. But we know that it's coming from a heart of a loving father, from a God who just amazed that you're willing to give all of yourself, God. You are willing to die that we may live. What a savior you are. I know that there are those who are crying out to you, maybe for the first time. The heart cry of, of one for salvation. Putting their trust in you, Jesus, and we want to rejoice in that. Just as the angels in heaven rejoice whenever a sinner repents, God. And we also want to pray, God, that is. We consider just these spiritual truths, tests, exams. God, may our heart be willing for you to search and to reveal anything that's going on there that needs to be changed and corrected. And that is our desire because you are worthy, you are good, and we know that you know best, God. We are created for your glory. And we want to walk in a way that brings you honor and glory. We want to walk in your example, Jesus, as being a servant. And even those people that we have a hard time with, <laughs> those are the ones that you've called us to love and to serve. Give us wisdom in how that looks. Change our hearts towards them. Teach us how to pray for them. I do pray for my brothers and sisters here, God, that you'd watch over them. May the enemy not come and pluck any truths. Work that you've been doing here this morning. We sure love you, Father. You've been so good and so kind to us. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, Christ. May we continue to grow in your grace and in knowing you more. We pray in your matchless name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for letting me teach this morning, guys. I love y'all.